Hello, Doclas. Welcome to the Documenteers podcast, the best podcast about documentaries in all known universes. I'm your host, Bob Sham, and I am back until probably next year's Pride Month, but I'm sure there will be random episodes here and there with Angela as the main host. Thanks to Angela, Brian, Jeremy, Ginger, and Akil for lending themselves to Pride Month in my bizarre absence that I absolutely do not remember. There is plenty of evidence, and in this episode, there's more evidence of my disappearance. And shit does not get less weird. Angela hosted episodes are somewhat safe for work. Me hosted episodes are very not. This special Friday full episode drop, Drew and I jumped the line a bit to discuss a 30 for 30 about a professional tennis player that transitioned from a man to a woman. Sports LGBTQ closes out this last day of June with Eric Drath's Renee. What better way to ruin Pride Month than with an episode hosted by two straight dudes? You don't mind, right? Where are some of the good ones? At least Drew is. Next week is a very America-centric week. Fourth of July is going down, and we do our patriotic American duty by forcing conflict where it needn't occur. That's right, we're doing another Versus episode, and it's the story of two Americas. Which America will come out on top? Will it be Burt Marcus's TNA-soaked study of internet celebrity and saturation in his film American Meme? Or will the stark realities of common voluntary genitalia alterations dominate the scenario in Brendan Moroda's American Circumcision? Both of these you can watch on Netflix. Too long have we been divided, and throwing these documentaries together is the only way to heal this nation. One song clip used in this episode, the song Renee by the 90s rap group Lost Boys, played for obvious reasons and introduced to me here for the first time. For all my love of the genre, I never got to this song until recently. Fun. One more thing, I'm so terrible with networking, I'm sure you probably know how pathetic my social media game is, but uh, now I managed to remember that I did an episode of another podcast based right here in Nashville. Some good dudes over at the Uninformed Opinion podcast had me on to discuss the subject of comic books. been a fan of all types of comic art and illustration since I've learned how to read and look at things. It's a big subject for me to fit into an hour, but we capture a sliver of it in that episode. The latter half, I'm very breathy in it. Sorry about that. That's the part in the episode where things got sexual. Also, the episode was recorded over half a year ago, and a big celebrity appears in it that died just a couple of weeks after we did that episode. You gotta hear it to believe it, so look for my name and plenty of other episodes over at Uninformed Opinion. It's the one with the word bubble in the title. Any podcast app will do. Meanwhile, documenteerspodcast.com. Five stars and a sweet review on your listening application. If you're down, I appreciate the help. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. Keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. I had no conscious desire that I wanted to be anything other than a little boy who would eventually become a man. There was just this other submerged entity that was in the background waiting to come out. Yeah, finally. I don't know what the sexual orientation of Eric Draft is, 
but I I think he's I would assume he's a straight white male. I would assume so too from the <laughs> just from the feel of it. It's a surprise. It's the last day. It, this episode is dropping in place of a shorty, so we can get a thirty for thirty in because there's so much to do. Yeah, we have to make sure a thirty for thirty is does come out like at least once a month. <laughs> so we got a special Pride thirty for thirty. Now next That's year, next year's Pride Month, where well, what do we got? Nothing. <sighs> Unless there's one of the, a newer one. There's probably one on a what's your name, Semyon Castanova or whatever. I have no idea. Actually. The Olympic runner who the same thing, but no, it's even weirder. Hers. I want to say she was born like sort of in between, like not full hermaphroditic, oh, okay. but right, sort right. of in between. Yeah, yeah. And they're just like, and she's lived her whole life as a woman. And the Olympic committee's like, you got too much testosterone, you can't compete. Ah, so this is the next. This that's almost the next level from this story, basically. Yeah. Like and it's out. recent. The court case just happened where they were like, "Fuck you." Well, it sounds like it's inevitable. <laughs> so Drew, some shit went down. I've heard evidence that this is true. I've seen receipts. I've heard people's phone calls that I left. I've seen the timestamps on these phone calls. I don't remember this at all, but apparently I went to Los Angeles for all of this month. It's Pride Month. I've only recently come back. You're pretty tanned. I'm very tan. Actually, and, like very burnt. And I have hair looks plugs. Very painful. You haven't commented on the hair plugs, which I don't remember getting. They just look so natural. Yeah. I they, wouldn't have even known. You're being until you very said polite. It. it looks like a Brillo pad. Mama didn't raise no <laughs> rude persons. <laughs> that way, your mother's very nice. But I don't remember anything. This could be an elaborate prank for all I know, but I don't recall ever going to Los Angeles or seeing any podcast Illuminati. I was intending on letting Angela host most of June until the very end here, but. Regardless of what so I can or can't weird. remember, I'm back, I guess. You don't remember calling me either? No. Literally, I went to take, uh, go to the bathroom, do a, do a number two. Hell yeah! And then I come out, and Angela's like editing some shit. And I'm like, what's up? She's like, where have you been? It's ba- missing time. I always thought that was some sort of, uh, you know, soap, soap opera bullshit. Well... Maybe it is, but it's also real. What about this? You sure you're not fucking with me? Because you called me not that long ago. Well, I I apparently just came back the other night. What? What What did I say? Did I make weird farty sounds or something? Uh, I'm going to have to let you hear this for yourself. Okay. uh, You called me and I wasn't there to pick up because who the fuck calls people nowadays? That's a good point. I was was not ready to answer a phone. Yeah, it seemed like I called people. Why wouldn't I text people? Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that, but you definitely called me. And there's a voicemail. So Okay. You're really not fucking with me here? I'm not. You don't remember this? I don't remember shit. Let's see if this will jog your memory a little bit. (laughs) I think I've gotten far enough away from the phone blockers. Fuck. Uh, who am I talking to, Drew? I'm just making, just pressing random buttons here, hoping a call goes through. Uh, God, so much crazy shit's been going on. This podcast, Illuminati, it's, it's sick. God, where do I start? Well, um, I saw the, the guys who host Pod Save America. Saw them fuck a dead body. While the dead body had an Obama mask on. And... And then I ran out of the room, and Ben Shapiro was in the next room with the 
double-sided glass, and he was watching the fuck the dead body, and he was masturbating. And I don't know what to do, man. Also, I went down on like 20 bees. <laughs> oh, God, I think someone's coming. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, I didn't think it sounded like you at first. But uh, those podcast Illuminati are really good at their job because that's like some professional voice work you've got going on there. Your tone is excellent. There's no way I'm, yeah, I'm obviously very scared. As you should be, I think. What the fuck? How do you go down on a bee? You tell me. I don't know. It's got, my lips were so sore (laughs) when I got back. I didn't know why. I thought that was part of the, you got the hair plugs, you got the really, really terrible looking tan. Sorry, I'm being rude now. But yeah. there's a, I thought that was that college <laughs> implant lip that looked super your, good. You threw all your mother's lessons right out the window. <laughs> I'm insulting my tan. You're horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> the lips, uh, I mean, I was trying to be nice at first. I was like, like this, that Angelina Jolie lips, it's a good thing. It's not a good look no, on you. No, I've got it tested. There's no collagen. <laughs> Apparently, it's because I've been going down on every bee in California. Really thought you were just messing with me, man. <laughs> How do you not remember going down on bees? I don't. You would figure you would remember. Even if you went down all the time on a lot of things. <laughs> on many animals willing and not. Yeah. You figure a bee would stand out. I would think so. Look, it's kind of weird having to move on. But we got to talk about... This film, Renee, by Eric Draft. You sure you don't want to talk about this some more? We'll have to talk about it off ca- off mic camera. Off mic later. <laughs> You're so lucky we don't have a camera. Thank God. <laughs> and trust, if the listeners could see us, they're lucky too. I just got to go get some professional help, I think. You know? I mean, we can both agree on that. You got to get those memories back. Yeah. Because if you don't remember leaving a voicemail like that... Jesus. I mean, you were obviously out in the sun a long time. Yeah. And that can mess with a person. I was at least out in the sun a long time, (laughs) at least blowing bees. (laughs) I cannot remember corpse fucking. I'm glad I don't remember that. They need to leave that memory down. Yeah, that's... Folks, we're sorry that we're ending (sighs) Pride Month this way and that it just has to be so weird that that somehow I still have to, even without knowing it's happening, inject my weirdness into this. I got all excited to be back here and say, hey, Bob, it's good to see you again. But yeah. uh, it, it's not good to see you. It's painful. And now you just, your face is just sunk with pity. Like, <laughs> like you know, you never see a true frown, like the mouth totally going down like a, like a reverse U. But you are nailing it. I've just never seen it. <laughs> it's actually painful. Yeah. But... Not as painful as whatever you obviously went through. Your, so. your emotions are forcing you to use face muscles you've never used before to form a perfect reverse U frown. I didn't even know that was happening for a second. I just thought just the pain of seeing what's happened to you visually. After hearing that voicemail, I was just like, that, that doesn't really seem like a Bob joke. I mean, maybe the bee blowing, but the rest of it, that's... I don't want to know what happened in your missing month, man. I don't ever, if you get those memories back, don't fucking tell me. Okay. Well, it seems like I already told you. Don't call me. I know more than I ever wanted to know already. Any podcast Illuminati want to call me? I'm just a guest host. Just want to make that perfectly clear. 
Yeah. Not the host of a podcast. Host of a radio show unaffiliated with any podcast whatsoever. And guest host of Documenteers. Well, I don't know if there's a freeform radio Illuminati. Do you say that like I don't know or I don't know? Oh, wait, are you in it? You could be in it. You said I don't know. I don't know. Okay, good. I don't know a lot of things, apparently. All right, that's fine. That's fine. Let's move on. 30 for 30. Renee, Renee, it fits in with Pride Month. We got a 30 for 30 that is LGBTQ friendly because Renee used to be called Richard Raskin. Or Dick for short. Or Dick. And uh, was a transgender person. And this is at a time where there's a lot more conversation these days going on regarding transgenderism and the the conversations surrounding gender uh, can kind of get heated depending on who you are, I suppose, but I don't know if someone, I, I will, I will definitely fuck up pronouns all the time. But like, if you come to me and be like, I'm just this now, then, uh, as long as you're not saying I'm changing my name to a character in Harry Potter, <laughs> I will judge the fuck out of you and make fun of you openly. But if you're like, um, I used to be a man. I want to be a woman now. I will. I'm why not? Who am I to fucking question how anyone lives their life? Right. Well, it's nice that you didn't invite Angela back to host this episode of Pride <laughs> Month so that us two straight yeah. men can talk about this episode. People really want to know what we feel That's about good. this shit. That's good. I think that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But, man, I, I feel the same way as you. It, it's ridiculous to go ahead and get angry about this stuff. Like, it, it's all who you, who you are. Again, we're both straight men. I look at women, and I'm attracted to them. I look at guys... I'm not attracted to them. Yeah. It's that simple. That's right. the way I'm personally wired. If someone else is personally wired, I don't see why every woman's not into women because the way I see it, they're so much more attractive than we are. Come on. It's a sliding <laughs> scale, my friend. Your but scale just goes a little over to that side, but I bet there's still a little room. Other people are wired completely differently. Yeah. So that's fine. That's, that's how they work. But, I'm not going to give them any shit for it and... They shouldn't give us any shit for it. But the know. conversations around gender, often gender itself doesn't even, is not necessarily regarding about sexual preference because it seemed like Renee Richards in this one throughout her life as Renee and as Dick uh, Raskin seemed to like the company of men and women at all phases of their transformation. Oh, you want to skip right to the end where she's talking about having so much sex with everybody available. <laughs> There's a few parts where that's referenced like, look, I got it in so much. <laughs> Any so combination. Much. <laughs> Whatever you can picture. Probably not bees, though. There's like online careers. People like Ben Shapiro, for example. I brought him up in that odd phone call. He is uh, allegedly uh, masturbates while watching people fuck corpses. I assume he's a corpse fucker himself. I mean, that's the next logical step. But he's made whole careers on the internet of just being like, I'm not going to call you. I'm going to call you by your birth pronoun. These dumb fucking arguments that don't seem to matter. And there's all these videos of him arguing this bullshit at universities. And these young kids are like, think that they can go up and like be like, you stop it. And like throw a bunch of like <laughs> gender facts at him. And throw all the all seventy something gender terms at him as though that's going to change this asshole's fucking mind. Yeah, it's just like shitty sports commentators. You do a terrible take to get people all riled up, and you get your name in the papers the next day. Yeah, 
stupid. It's a terrible way of fame humping, and it just, <laughs> it's so transparent, except for these thousands and thousands of people who buy it. Yeah. Well, Ben Shapiro, we now know there's a lot of incels out there. Ben Shapiro has an incel army that pats him on the back for every reason. Renee by Eric Drath that came out and talked. <laughs> Great. Hey, let's get to the important questions first. Which, what song was stuck in your head when you first saw this one? Because to me, right away, the Lost Boys classic, Renee. Here's a tune about the sunny name Renee that I met one day on my way back from John Jay. I'm peeping shorty as she's walking to the train. I tap her on the shoulders. Excuse me, miss, but can I get your name? She said, my name is Renee. I said, I got a whole lot to say. So may I walk you to your subway? Uh, so we start off, we start this film Not off. Not even going to talk music with me. All right. <laughs> fine. Just, we'll get, I don't we'll know get the song. to the episode. I don't know the song. I'll clip it. You know I'll just clip it. <laughs> then we'll get to this episode, which started out like a shitty infomercial. People make changes in their lives every day. They change where they work and where they live. What they want and who they want to be with. It made me feel... It started really bad. Really worried about the content of this. <laughs> that that voiceover while they're watching like generic train station footage. And it's just like, you know, people change every day. Can they buy a ring at Jared? It sounded like it was going to be a terrible commercial. And Eric also sets himself up in it at the very beginning. He narrates throughout it, but he's not in it too much. But the opening of this leads you to believe like, oh my God, this dude's going to just be standing at the corner of every shot. And, I decided to go find her. Yeah, he's like, oh, I wonder what happened to this tennis player. A few years ago, I began wondering whatever happened to Renee. I found her in a small town a few hours north of the city. Hello? Knock like, on her door. Oh, do, 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 do. <laughs> I'm like, oh, no. But fortunately, it did get a little better than that. It did. It started out making me real nervous for this one. And then it got into it. And... Well, honestly, did a pretty good job. And it um, got into it and into it and into it. There were certain layers of this that I felt like put this over the edge from average to good. Uh, and uh, it's a lot of the more personal side of things that I didn't. I've seen this before, like a long time ago, but I'd forgotten like a lot of the certain details that I came to enjoy this time. I think the the little scratch notes that I take and I know you take and some of us take while we're watching these films. Just a reference as we're here recording. This was one of the ones that had more scratch notes than almost every other one that I've done. Lots of lines in here felt important. Yeah. And that, that's got to be a sign of something, right? We immediately meet Renee Richards and we meet Renee's sister. And the sister calls Renee he. And the director's like, You just said he is. Yes. Why do you say that? Because he's my brother. But he won't be with my sister, I'd say she. But how would you what would you call your brother? And the director's like, it seems like an easy answer. Well, I would call my brother my brother, but maybe if my brother, you know, decided to go through, you know, his changes, I might say call him a sister if he wanted. Yeah, well, has, he doesn't care. She's not cool with it. She's just like, I've been, it's my brother my whole life. So she, I loved how uncomfortable that Eric Drath was <laughs> in this scene. <laughs> he was just like, oh no, I, I did not expect this. I was coming in here to be super tolerant and everything. <laughs> and first line, the sister just blows it up in his face. It's, the sister, her name is Josephine Von Hippel. Von Hippel. Married to Von Hippel. You know the Von Hippels. <laughs> oh, of the Von Hippels. Yeah. Certain points, this seems like she's trying to be cash about it, 
but she fucking hates it. And she says as much later, which she pretty much admits is like, I thought it was a bad idea. I still don't like it. And which is interesting because Josephine Von Hippel, she was more of a tomboy type. Didn't want to do what a lot of the other girls do. That doesn't mean lesbian because she's not a lesbian. I I dated a few Tom girls in my time. And um Tom I like boys. a girl that can hang when you're playing. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. A little more with a little grit. But her brother, Dick Raskin, he was a little boy who liked to go into his sister's room and look for her clothes. So it's kind of interesting how this little boy wants to go and put on like his big sister's clothes. But his big sister has a bunch of ball caps and t-shirts. <laughs> I thought that was kind of ironic. Yeah, he said when he was nine years old, he he had that desire. Just he didn't know where it came from. I'm calling him he because he was a he at this point. Yeah, just nine years old, just had this desire to sneak into his sister's room and put her clothes on. All right, you don't know where that came from, but he just decided that that was some part of him. That he knew, even at nine years old, had to be done in secret. It's pretty... Uh, you see how society reacts to things pretty damn quickly. Not to mention this is, what, the f- 50s? 30s <laughs> is it at the, this point? I think it's like the 40s. He's nine years old, probably the 40s. 40s or 50s, yeah. And he's the son of two doctors. Would go on to be a doctor, have a doctorate himself when he was a him. And he's a badass. Yeah, like a killer athlete. Super gifted. Was really into baseball and tennis. Had a sweet lefty pitching motion. And those two sports take place at the same time. So you never had anyone who played both baseball and tennis. You had people who maybe like me played baseball and soccer because those seasons took place at different times of the year. So they didn't have the crossover. But baseball and tennis are going on at the same time. So even though the motion might be a little bit similar, swinging and hitting the ball, not very many people played both of them. So it was cool having his friend talk about him. They held up the tennis match because he had to pitch against their arch rivals. And he throws a no-hitter. Yeah. <laughs> and then goes out straight to tennis, gets changed, goes out, and wins his tennis match. Yeah. This dude was a really gifted athlete, but had to go to an elite private school because the other school's teams weren't good enough for him. He had to get to that higher level of competition. Well, you're not good enough <laughs> for me. I'm going to this private school. Well, they said is, he got scouted by the Yankees, so whatever they did worked. Is that when a private school is just like, here, we'll let you in? They, I mean, he wasn't a broke person. He was the son of doctors. If you don't think schools just let in a super gifted athlete <laughs> anywhere, everywhere, <laughs> even today, uh, got some bad news for you, buddy. I'm just saying this dude seemed pretty groomed is all I'm saying. Angelo Ball really wants to go to Spire Academy to learn his... Uh... <laughs> he should go to like, uh, Brigham Young University. <laughs> they point out with the young uh, Dick Raskin that he really liked girls. I mean, really liked girls. And it seemed kind of, that line seemed blurred even as they were discussing it. Because I was like, do they mean like he was just fucking like left and right? Which I think is probably the They said he was a wonderful makeout artist. Well, did he really like girls in that he connected with them and he hung around them a lot? Which maybe also was true. Maybe, but he was definitely getting some uh, backseat action. <laughs> I liked all the old uh, the old timey colloquialisms that we got in this movie too. Because we're talking about events that happened in the 40s and the 50s, 60s, 70s yeah. throughout the course of this film. So we got a lot of uh, nice old timey slang. So that uh, that wonderful makeout artist was maybe the first one in the film. When we're elderly and describing our old friend's sexual exploits, we'll be using terms like balls deep, 
stuff like that. And our or kids balling. will have no idea what that means. <laughs> oh, God, Grandpa. Or they'll like be completely offended that we said it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll have to see what direction that one goes. <laughs> yeah. They were just making the point that he was a, a dude's dude. Yeah. He played sports. He liked girls. He, seemed, he rode a motorcycle. He seemed like he was passing the dude test. He memorized all the answers on the dude desk, and he nailed it. <laughs> it's just they, an, it's just regurgitating what's thrown at you. Yeah, until they talk to his girlfriend, who mentions that he eventually broke up with her for re- secret reasons that he could not tell her. Now, as Dick goes further into college, he picks tennis, and he dominates like a mofo in tennis. He went to Yale and became the captain of their tennis team. Big time. Yeah, and did quite well. He's in college. He might be dating his girlfriend. He might have just broken up with her for his mysterious personal reasons. But he now has a full female alter ego that he named. It's within him. He named Renee. Doesn't Renee mean like evolving or something like that? Apparently it's French for born again. Oh, there you go. That seems a little too convenient. They threw that into the title card of the movie. I was like, really? Is that really? (laughs) When you thought like, oh God, this is going to be bad. Yeah. But then they mentioned him picking that as the name of his female alter ego, which was pretty interesting that it was that developed to have just basically another side of him that he put a name on. His mother made him go to medical school, which he didn't want to do at first. And he was just kind of messing around and finding more girls who found women's clothes in his room. And when she would go away on trips, she would say to him, don't do any stuff while I'm gone. That's so strange. Like, what, what, what kind of mindset was that? But that a relationship would eventually, of course, of course, go the way all of Dick's relationships would. But the medical school did catch on for him when he sat in on an eye surgery. He was like, "That's my thing. That's my jam. Eye surgery." Who the hell thinks that when they're watching someone cut into eyeballs? When you're watching an eyeball surgery and you get aroused, then that's how you know. <laughs> he becomes a master of it. He's operating on infants' eyes. It's just kind of his specialty. It's like, damn, dude. (laughs) Infant eyes. You know... Somebody listened to that Pixies song too many times. Aren't the eyes the exact same size throughout your life? I don't know. Uh, It's true. Hold on. Let me find some more Snapple caps to check check and make sure that's true. (laughs) It's true. It's the one organ that's the exact... That's why baby's eyes look so fucking huge. But he also started seeing a shrink to try to work through this female alter ego he had. And I love the solution here because it's so simple, so dumb. Shrink said, you got to grow a beard. Get this dick, you got to grow a beard. So then when you look in the mirror, you can't see a girl because you're seeing a dude with a beard. (laughs) And apparently it worked. (laughs) It worked. It kind of put it away for him that he couldn't fantasize about being a girl. When he had this bearded face looking back at him in the mirror. Also, Dick, you need to go see the most masculine performer I know. His name's Liberace, all right? (laughs) He's a man's man, and he tickles the ivories, all right? I'm not going to lie to you, man. I laughed out loud when they went to the next scene after this and said the beard thing worked until he joined the Navy, (laughs) and they made him shave the beard. (laughs) And now he's in the Navy where they're teaching him to be a macho, macho man. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Now, did he start hormone treatment in the Navy or right when he got out? I think that was afterwards, like right afterwards or maybe in the meantime. But the Navy saw that he was this great tennis player still. And they made him the tennis captain of the Navy. They called him a tough nut. 
<laughs> and an alpha male that he dominated his partners both in his personal life and on the tennis court but he was depressed and his mom died and he fell that back into it. this alter ego a little bit more and that's when he saw Dr. Charles Ilhenfeld his endocrinologist science baby Science. And this, he finally starts hormone treatment? Yep. Started getting estrogen and growing some tits. The way it's described by, because it's done through Dick's old friends, Renee's old friends, rather. They all make it seem like it was all of a sudden like, hey, wait a minute. It seems almost comical to think about your buddy just starting to more and more. And you're like, what's up? To a point where they go to a fucking beach with his buddies and they all take their shirts off as dudes do before they're while they're at a beach and then dick takes his shirt off and he's got little breasts he's got breasts now and he underwent a surgery to stop him from growing facial hair yeah like uh, what are you, electrolysis or something is that what it's called? no more beard mirror trick now at this time there was one doctor who would prefer perform a transgender surgery a transsexual sexual reassignment surgery and he was in casablanca casablanca of all places. Man, I was expecting a lot of fun out of this scene. We didn't get much. Well, we got uh, Renee, then Dick, going there and be like... <laughs> <laughs> Walking into the CD <laughs> surgery facility in Casablanca and, and chickened out. But this is wild. Dick returns. He's well into this process. I think she describes that at the time he was like halfway there. He had photos of his wall. They were like, who? Who's this uh, attractive lady in the photos on the wall? And it was him in transition. But then Dick meets this slamming lady named Barbara. They set him up with a female model. Yeah. And he goes, ah, damn it. I done it again. I like this lady. So then he begins to transition back into being a man. Jesus, your body. What your body must be going through. All the way in, he had the breast reduction surgery to become dick again while he's dating this this model who wants a doctor husband so she can become a new york city socialite and after six months of dating they get married dick really wanted the child barbara did not was not really into that idea they have a son but after five years i didn't see this coming drew after five years the relationship was over you know what I didn't see coming was this whole him getting married, becoming Dick again, having a kid. Yeah. That was a big plot twist. Uh, change my mind. <laughs> you know what? Dude again. Gonna have more back to myself surgeries. <laughs> Get these breasts gone. Liked them for a little while, but now they're just uh, kind of awkward. So after this is over, Dick's like, I want the change. I'm back in the saddle. He and goes back to Charles Ilhenfeld, who says, you've had enough misery. Yeah. It's time to be who you really are. Yeah. Go have the surgery. We'll do it in an American surgeon. It's an American surgeon! <laughs> and at the tender age of 40 years old, Renee comes out from the inside, and then Dick births him out. It's like that, like a symbiote. It comes out from the inside. And then just covers you, and boom. When you do your social media posts or whatever promoting this episode, 
Can you please use the little sketch drawings that the doctor was showing us of the gender reassignment surgery? Yes, yes, I will. God damn, that was hilarious. That, <laughs> He's just drawing out his little picture. I love how flat and straightforward the doctor's like, yeah, you just do this. You He's, do He's this talking here. like a medical doctor, but the drawing looks like looks like a 10-year-old who's like, <laughs> penis. The entire operation is made with a small incision here in the so-called perineum. And through that incision, we take the inside of the penis out. So the only thing remaining is the, the, the skin of the penis. And then he points at the walls like, yeah, here's some photos of it. And you see here, that position, this surgery is irreversible, my friend. <laughs> Pretty cool that he takes a drag off a cigarette. <laughs> I the wish that last part was were true. not happy with this, though. They were they were okay with him cross-dressing, with showing up at a bar and being a woman and acting like a woman. They, and, oh, and he's like uh, Flip Wilson. Like, yeah, we're okay with that. But don't have the surgery. That's, that's a bridge too far. Don't rub it in our faces. <laughs> Uh, but they were also concerned about his health because this wasn't something that people did often back then at all. And when he first wanted it, there was only one doctor in the world who was in a hut in Casablanca. Yeah. So now he's getting the surgery done and they're like, this is scary. You could die from this surgery. Maybe that was their only concern. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Renee's like, fuck this. I'm going to move to California. I'm doing this. I'm going all in. I had the surgery. I need a new life. I'm going to move across the entire country and leave everything behind. All the old friends that knew her as Dick and Nick, the kid, the son left behind. Leaves everyone like um, like the dude from Growing Pains in that movie left behind. Wasn't that Nicolas Cage? Kurt Cameron. <laughs> Nicolas Cage was in the remake. Well, you remember that. <laughs> you can't remember the goddamn bees in the I desert. I can't remember going down on bees, but I know who was the lead in all the Left Behind movies. <laughs> So Renee moves to California for the total fresh start. I don't want anybody to know my old life. I'm going to be a doctor out here. And uh, I think I'll join this uh, women's tennis competition. Yeah, I've been playing tennis a little bit. And Renee Richards, as she is now, wants to join one of the biggest amateur tennis competitions in the country, the La Jolla. Yeah, and does so. And does really well. <laughs> like, extremely well. This is where the question comes up on how you feel about this, because I'm not going to lie, I did feel bad for that poor little 16-year-old girl who was the phenom, yeah, yeah. who made it to the finals and then got absolutely smoked. We'd never played a person like this, and we weren't sure if the rumors were true, and so my mind really wasn't that much on tennis. I was thinking, is she really a man, or, you know... You know, what kind of person am I playing? She was six foot one and had size 12 feet. <laughs> and I'd heard the rumors. <laughs> and I was really intimidated. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I can see that. As you can imagine, this draws a lot of attention. And Renee is like, I just didn't want that much attention. And a reporter makes a fine point. And I said, I'm a private person. And he said, Dr. Richards... You were a private person until you won the finals yesterday in La Jolla. And it took the reporter like 10 seconds to figure out the truth. <laughs> it was not super hidden. Old friends of Renee's interviewed in this point out the contradictions that Renee has when regarding privacy claims. Because a lot of people she knows is like, eh, she ain't really all that hung up on privacy. She uh, kind of wants everyone to see and know what's up. 
Yeah, they told her to play tennis righty so people wouldn't recognize. Apparently a tennis serve is like a thumbprint, someone said. You see this huge lefty serve and they can be like, oh, that reminds me of this guy Dick who used to play for the Navy. Right. And this is when we first meet the son as an adult. If I had anger more than the next kid, it was because of that. It's pretty selfish of a guy that you know, gets married and has a kid and a year later leaves his family to have a sex change and go play professional women's tennis on the news. I mean, that's, it doesn't get more, much more selfish than that. Nicholas, I think at the time of this film is around 38 years old, about my age now. You could, you kind of feel sorry for the kid. Well, he's far from a kid because you know, it was a very confusing time. Nicholas was an overweight child, got picked on a lot. Uh, all the, the other rich kids just didn't like him. They had plenty of ammo. He was a fat kid and his dad was his now lady. Yeah. And, uh, but Nick would point out, talked about, we meet him talking about how selfish his father is. And you can see that from his point of view. Yeah. It, she moves all the way across the country, leaves him behind. They occasionally talk on the phone. And this dad, he, they so, talked about him growing up a daddy's boy. And there's a, a terrible quote from Renee here, too. Says so something like, oh, don't worry about kids. By the time they're four, they're totally imprinted on the person they're going to be. So he'll be fine. Oh, oh, oh no. <laughs> I don't think that's proven science, Renee. <laughs> After the split and during Renee's transition to go see and take the kid to a psychiatrist, Renee would put on a wig and a suit to try to look like a man again. And those pictures are bizarre, man. It's all weird at this point. They sent Nikki to a psychiatrist preventively like uh we're we're fucked up this kid so uh <laughs> let's just try to get this in now <laughs> to yeah. minimalize it a little bit but his mom the the supermodel ex-wife was so disgusted by the transition that she won't even talk about it with no. anyone yeah just completely pretends it didn't happen got remarried to some fancy pants banker so she can uh stay in those social circles that she was in in new york yeah and to become one of those insufferable people that we all hate, I'm sure. But also basically oh. a single mom, apparently. Yeah. I mean, with gobs of fucking money. <laughs> it's not exactly factory life. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. But but, now, I, but this kid, he can't, he can't control his childhood. You can't deny he probably had a very rough childhood. I mean, he's responsible for his adulthood. He's fine. He got sent to a shrink preventatively. <laughs> he seems to be trapped at the age of 19. He's got mental armor. <laughs> and when he was four, everything he was that is <laughs> that was going to be is anyways. You would think the person who started trying on their sister's clothes at nine wouldn't have that idea, but <laughs> there it is. Now the rulers of tennis, the tennis Illuminati, ooh, state that you must. They probably didn't make their uh, athletes go down on bees, but whatever. They said that you must test to be a woman because it's a it's a hot controversy this Renee stuff and uh, and also thanks to East Germany's politics in the Olympics, <laughs> yeah we gotta test these women to make sure they're women. Chris Everett, it, they talked to her and talk about how all these women were suddenly had to take a test to prove that chromosomally they were a woman. But the thing is, Renee was had a lawyer blocking. Her taking the test. How funny is that? All, all the women on the tennis tour are talking about how they had to get this test done. The bar body test. To prove that they're women. 
And the one person that it was implemented for, obviously very transparently, oh no, we're making everybody test this. They only wanted one person to take it. Didn't. (laughs) And uh, Renee was pushed out of some competitions until South Orange, New Jersey, where Renee did get to play. And 35 women out of 40-something sat out in protest in this match. This is a very short meet. (laughs) They all dropped out. There was a media circus around this by now. Everybody knows who Renee is and this court battle and all this stuff. And they're doing the same arguments. I couldn't believe we're hearing the same arguments that we do today. Like, oh, what locker room are they going to use? Huh? What locker room is she going to be in? Do you see those muscles? Those aren't the muscles of a woman. The dumbest fucking thing. This is like like a, the, a plot to a bad 80s movie. Was that the fear was that everyone thought that like, oh my God. Men are just going to uh, get their dicks cut off, replace them with vaginas so they can rig female sports the world over. <laughs> that was funny. Because men have no problem doing things like that. Are you really worried that this is going to become a trend? It's <laughs> the dumbest fucking thing There's I've just ever dudes lined up. I'm a pretty good tennis player, but if only I got my dick cut off. Yeah. you know, I could I'm, be pro. You know, I don't really want to be a woman, but. I would love to be the greatest female tennis player on the planet. (laughs) We had Howard Cozell interviewing people in clips here. He was dismatched to an amateur tennis tournament. This is what a big story that Renee was. Any big sporting event in the 70s and 80s, Howard Cozell was there. There's a Sports Illustrated article about her. We get this nice little montage of how women's tennis was kind of a game changer for social movement. Yeah. We had Chris Everett playing as a 16-year-old going pro. Of course, the Billie Jean King versus Bobby Riggs match. I mean, even today, in terms of American tennis, it's still the women that get more attention and accolade than the men, at least at this point. And in the second round of this tournament, Carolyn Stoll, the local tennis hero, is five foot five, and she gets her ass kicked. And everyone boos. <laughs> the novelty monster defeated the local hero. It was such, it was so lame when people sat out. It was like, step up and try to win this match. Because the, it would be good if one of them won the match. Because it shows that maybe this whole thing doesn't fucking matter. That was some people's point of view. Yeah. It was, it ended up later on. It seemed like most of the players on the women's tennis tour, the pros, were pretty okay with it. Also... You're over 40, and you're pretty slow now. We're going to beat you. Yeah. And that's also the thing. It wasn't, you know, Renee did very well, but there were some kinks in the armor. Oh, we also talked to uh, a a transgender activist named Megan Stabler, who is a big deal in this community and was shook by Renee's story and kind of helped guide her to make her transition. By this time, Renee has kind of become an unwitting role model for trans people in society wanting to be seen as people. She makes a quote later on in this film that, I I don't know, feels right in this spot here. She said she didn't want to be half anything. She didn't want to be known as trans. When she was a man, she was a man. And when she's a woman, she's a woman. Yeah. There's there's, that angle is discussed in a film that was earlier this month called Mala Mala. It was a film uh, about a lot of people in various transgender states, gender fluidity. And one woman had that thing. She was like, I'm not transgender. I'm a woman. I was born incorrect and I fixed myself. I am a woman. 
it just goes to show that even within this community, the perspectives and the feelings are still nuanced and very personal. Did you like the scene we got thrown in here where she's talking to the director while washing her dope-ass Corvette Stingray? Kind of melancholy chatting and mentions that the Stingray has its original engine. Yeah. Wink, wink. (laughs) And I'm going to put a vagina on the engine. (laughs) But then she's talking about how she really regrets her relationship with her son now and that Nikki is a bad addict. I think he's got addiction problems. He doesn't want me to know anything about the seriousness of his addiction problems. The the son stuff, for me, brings the documentary to another level. A a throwing knife, I mean, it's probably won't work. It, It just has to be perfectly balanced. And that's the misconception is that you throw it like like that. Clicks it up a notch and makes it unique because, you know, we often hear about people's individual stories, but we're seeing the fallout because Nikki, you hear Nikki complain about his dad. To, to him, this is his dad. And Renee accepts that being called a father. You could tell that Nikki loves his dad and, and, and kind of money. understands in a way, but also puts him down. It's such a complicated fucking relationship and that personable the how how something like this can affect so many people we don't we don't really think about that and this scene is older renee talking as well she thinks him having addiction problems which we never hear about again in the movie just her talking about that so you know from the way they portrayed nick uh it's probably true the son talks about i think that there's something to be said for testosterone you know when you lose the ability to produce it, you just you become a wussy, I hate to say it. Well, because Renee is going through treatments, the estrogen is going up, <laughs> the testosterone is going down. And that makes you a wussy. What starts to happen is like the odds in the women's tournaments start to kind of look a little even. Suddenly, Renee doesn't look unbeatable. And also, Renee is like 42 at this point. That's important to note as well. But Renee's not unbeatable. And they're looking at chromosomes in the very beginning. But what does chromosomes look like if you're born with, say, both genders, like in the story you were mentioning earlier? I'm not, I mean, I mean I'm not a genetic scientist. I'm, I'm not sure what the chromosomes look like. <laughs> but yeah, neither am I, buddy. Like, but the levels of testosterone, women manufacture more estrogen, men manufacture more testosterone. So when that drops, it does seem like that, at least on a chemical level, your body can be a completely other gender. And this is the sticky situation. This is the part I, that I have such a hard time coming down either one way or the other. What do you test for? If you're going to have separate men's and female sports, there does have to be a line somewhere. We've, we've all seen the clips here in modern days of someone who's just just deciding that they hasn't gone through the surgery, but says that they are identify as a woman. And join mixed martial arts in Japan and beat the shit out of a bunch of women. That doesn't seem right. (laughs) There is some sort of line here, but where do you test? Where do you know? I'm not qualified to make that decision. No. And Arthur Ashe asked the question in this film. My only comment is that if she cannot play the women's U.S. Open, and she obviously cannot now play the men's U.S. Open because she is legally a woman, then where can she play? You gotta play tennis. You're a tennis player. Where can you play? And she is fully a woman at this point as well. A tennis player by the name of Virginia Wade was like, look, I want to deal with this by beating 
Renee. Yeah, this is after the court battle. Finally, she's never took the chromosome test. She won in court. Court determined that she was a woman. I don't know how that happened, but the judge said, officially, you are a woman. You can play in the USTA. You can play in the US Open. And that's a big fucking deal. She was good enough to qualify for the US Open, man or woman. And in 1977, after this court decision, she plays in the U.S. Open in her native New York. It's a big deal. And the first round gets matched up with the Wimbledon champion, Virginia Wade. You notice that the announcer described every uh, article of clothing Renee was wearing? Playing a first round match against Virginia Wade, Dr. Richards wore a frilly hat, gold earrings, and lace panties. Does the announcer do that with every female tennis player? I don't think that's normal. (laughs) it... It was kind of uncomfortable even just in this. Anyway, Virginia runs her match, wins. Renee is 42 at this time. She's knocked out in the first round after all this court battle. All this, But Virginia Wade's the defending Wimbledon champion. She's one of the best tennis players on earth. And they mentioned the pressure that Renee was under. But the crowd didn't treat her badly. She had so much pressure. She loses. But she's also playing doubles. And does she much, makes the finals. Does much better there. And in that... Meets Martina Navratilova, who uh, was very open to meeting Renee. Uh, Martina would later come out as a lesbian and related to Renee in terms of how Renee must have felt inside and dealing with society. In this uh, LGBTQ themed month that you're doing here on Documenteers, we have a, a real deal gay icon in Martina Navratilova. <laughs> and she earned, she really fulfills that here because. They talk about how she went out of her way to welcome Renee when she wasn't sure what kind of reception she was going to be getting. Again, after this extended court battle, after in the amateur tournament, all but five of the players she was supposed to face dropped out rather than play against her. And Navitrilova really went out of her way to make her feel welcomed. She was like, you are a woman. I was an outsider being gay. Know how it feels to be that outsider. And she really wants... Renee to feel like she's in this too. But again, she's 43 years old now. She's slowed down a little bit. And Martina has balanced the scales. Martina and her partner whoop some ass in the finals. Now, Nick is being sent to expensive prep schools by his dad. Even though his dad was distant, he always was trying to do something, albeit from far away. But the prep schools didn't work out. Nick uh, was pretty much becoming a delinquent, it seemed. Meanwhile, Renee gets a new coach. And this coach, the coach pushed a men's style onto Renee. And it seemed to be working very well. So that's how you won, playing like that dominant alpha male, like when you were in the Navy. Is that still like that now? I assume people should just play the hard way that kicks ass, regardless of gender. Well, no, they're working on a specific path for the player. Yeah. They were saying, this is how you play your best. Yes. Playing this very masculine game, power serves, charging the net aggressively. Now, Renee does well at that, but when competitions come, he notices that Renee kind of plays in a quote-unquote more female, it starts to revert back to a more female style. And then the coach realizes Renee wants to be a woman at every level. And not and, and Renee isn't even like a modern woman, like a 70s woman. Renee is, the, is a 50s-style woman. And wants to play tennis in that classic way. So that means when Renee came back onto the California female tennis circuit, there was probably some transitory 
things that Renee had to do, kind of maybe had to unlearn some things. But it's interesting that Renee also wanted to change the perceived gender, as silly as that sounds, of the way he played tennis. Well, that was the whole point of this whole thing. So I'm going 100%. I'm a woman now. I'm not going to lie about it in any aspect of my life, even my tennis game. It seems like lady-style tennis sounds lame, though. Like, play the style that wins matches. <laughs> don't, call, don't call it men's style. Don't call it women's style. It's not even so much men's and women's style. It was the style that Renee used to play when Renee was named Dick. It was that previous style of tennis that she used earlier in her life as a very, very good male tennis player. It's not a, a catch-all men's tennis versus women's tennis style. No yeah. way of that. It was just the style that she used to use mm -hmm. as a man. Going through some stuff, Renee uh, continues to be successful at doubles. Wins some, loses some, retires in the 80s at the age of 47. Coaches Navratilova for a little bit, but pretty much wants to go off to be an eye surgeon and does so for a few years. Comes back to New York to get her old job at her old hospital. Had a little bit of blowback. <laughs> they say the old people didn't want... <laughs> Renee to have the old job that Dick had previous in a previous life, but more the uh, more reasonable people won out and said this is the same surgeon. It's the person. It's the person same who person. was one of the best surgeons we had before and is still one of the best eye surgeons. Now we kind of breeze into current Renee at this point in this film, retired Renee, who has this platonic partner that she's known for a very long time. But they're not lovers. They're, it's not romantic. And the lady's like, it's not really my thing. And Renee goes... And with me, I had so many different sexual escapades and romances and sex with all kinds of different combinations of uh, men with women and, and men with men and women with men and men with women and women with men. I can't even think of all of it that I've had my fill. I got so much fucking tail. I got it so good, so hard, so long, this way and that, upside down and backwards. It just doesn't matter to me now. A you know, guy, I, a girl, two guys, three <laughs> girls, You know, I two guys and three girls. You know, I quit eating pork about a year ago to see if I could do it. And as a Southerner, Drew, I've had so much pork. I've had pork this way, upside down, inside out, up and down. Oh, so you're related. And that's kind of the way I felt. It's like, it's really not that big a deal not to eat pork because as a Southerner, I literally ate the weight of this city in pork throughout my lifetime. So if they once again threw a uh, supermodel bacon sandwich at you? What is the supermodel of pork for me? <laughs> Probably, I've got a, I've figured out a good... One um, those $100 steakhouse pork chops? I figured out a good meatless uh, turnip greens recipe, so I'm okay there. You but, don't have to share that. But what about... I think Memphis-style barbecue ribs might be the supermodel oh, yeah. pork for me. I'm not in Memphis, but if I was there, I might. that might be what makes me cave. Also, if I eat a traditional gumbo, it's going to have andouille sausage in it. That's one of the very few exceptions I make because I love me some Louisiana cooking. I won't get andouille Glad by you shared it. that. I won't get any andouille by itself, but if it's in a gumbo, look, I fucking love gumbo. I'm going to eat it. It's a very interesting story. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I 100% agree with you with those Memphis ribs, man. That's that's worth it. That is the throwing the supermodel at the guy who's starting his gender transition <laughs> yeah. of eating pork. 
Yeah, I to really, make an obvious comparison. I really related to that, is what I'm saying. <laughs> Renee uh, points out that, you know, she hooked up with boys, but she never really loved the way Dick loved. And she's not sure if anything wait, was... Wait, how are you saying that? She never loved the way Dick loved. As Renee? I'm not Renee. <laughs> she never loved as Dick else. loved. <laughs> You get it? Maybe something was lost in the transition. She doesn't really know. But she hasn't had that much, felt that much romance later in life. A lot of it is having to deal with her kid, apparently. Good thing that I have things to do, like wash my car, you know, or go to the office or operate or play golf. Otherwise, I'd feel like putting a bullet through my head. So. You know, Renee has, as Dick and Renee, has seen a lot of success in their life. But Renee points out that money's pretty drained. And she says that she waxes a cor like a, a fucking Corvette or something. I guess she yeah she'll end up selling the car eventually. She can't retire. She's still working. Yeah, as a surgeon. But the son is a like a fucking money pit of a person. Thirty eight years old, still a fuck up. Nineteen years old inside. Look, like I said, this kid cannot control his childhood, and I'm sure it sucked. But you know what? I had a, I, I dealt with some shit too. I was a fucking human party waste of time throughout most of my 20s. I'm pushing 40 now. I'm just a little more focused on putting out a dumb podcast. So if I can grow up, anyone can grow up. That's all I'm saying. This part threw me for a loop a little bit because they're talking about how Nick has no money. He's bounced through a million shitty jobs. He's, a, he's an entrepreneur, Drew. I've had five very distinct careers i've been in and out of real estate i developed black box trading systems and i traded on the floor of the nibod i own a men's clothing line called headhunters and i did a lot of like, big bi-coastal club events i did all the martial arts in the uh, first wu-tang video nutraceutical enhancement beverages blackjack listen i i need to do something i don't i don't even have two dollars in my pocket they talk about him having no money and about to be living on the streets as renee goes to visit him in his new york city apartment with a doorman said that didn't they say that nick's mother won't talk to him yeah nick's mother cut ties with him wow continued to be a fuck up wow she she's true blue blood she's you can tell man even without talking to her obviously she went through some shit too but she's really good at cutting people out the son went through worse shit I know your shit was bad, but the sun still is directly linked in. You need to fuck after a while, lady. You need to fucking get over it. Sorry, Renee is still sending Nick cash, but uh, the mom who's married to the the hotshot banker now cut him out. Uh, you know that stepdad was like, nope. <laughs> he wears a hat that says "sex is a high for performance thing." Ah, uh, this scene was so awkward. I wonder how he should sell those hats, bro. I don't think he invented it. Renee's walking around his apartment just talking about You have no towels. Um can a paper towel in here in the No. No towels. How can you live in an apartment without any towels? You have no towels? Yeah. How do you live with no towels? Nikki. Socks. Nikki. You have no towels. I dry off with socks. Let them see your eyes. Pull your hat up. Pick the bill of that hat up so they can see you. I don't want them to see me. Why? Because I like my hat better. 
I don't want him to see my eyes. It was so fucking pathetic, this dude. Like, he's 38. He's like, I don't want you to see my eyes. I don't want to. Look at my cool hat. Because when you're you're paranoid, it helps them to not see your eyes. Three days later from this uh, little soiree, Nick is evicted from the apartment. And then we don't talk about him again for the rest of this documentary. So if you're out there on the streets of New York City, Nick, uh, hope you straighten your shit out. Renee attends U.S. Open every year. And then we go on some credits of some childhood pictures. With but her. she's not a celebrity anymore. No. Nobody nobody cares. She's just an old lady watching tennis. That's kind of what Renee wants to be, right? Maybe. That half of Renee that actually didn't want the spotlight. Yeah. Didn't want everyone to prove that she's a woman. She doesn't have to do that anymore. But she still likes watching tennis. And the moral of the story is, don't have kids. <laughs> Drew, we don't rate documentaries. <laughs> do you want to? Uh, do you want to get a little steward up on this episode and do some research? Where is Nikki now? I, I didn't do any of this okay. research. Okay, Nick. What's the last name again? Raskin. Raskin with a D at the end, silent D. Raskind. And is Renee still alive, living the quiet life at that nice house upstate, like where they tell you all your childhood pets went? Yeah, maybe. He's a realtor. Says he has 27 years of realty experience. His picture looks like he's about to cut a low-rent wrestling promo. (laughs) I don't mean to make fun of Nicholas. He's been through some shit. But as an adult, he just acts like a twerp. He's got a job again. Hopefully he has a place to live again. Hopefully he's not calling anyone with estrogen wussies anymore. Yeah, but Drew, we don't rate documentaries in a star rating scale. We rate it in a Herzog rating scale. You're going to give this one through five Herzogs. I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. Together, we'll put them together like a perfectly done gender reassignment surgery. For best out of Can you sketch it out for me real quick? Entire operation is made with a small incision here in the so-called perineum. I'll draw you some pictures. <laughs> for best out of ten Herzogs, there was a lot in this documentary. They went through a lot of stuff. Was this a standard hour-long one? Because it felt long. They're mostly 51 minutes. There was just so much going on, and there's so many different stages of life between Dr. Richard Raskind and Renee Richards. Two different people. Two different personalities. I don't really have too much to say that we haven't already. We've gone through this. I'm not qualified to be the one who's drawn a line on what any transgendered person pre or post transition should be doing with their life, whether they should be working on the side of their, their birth gender or whatever happens there. There does need to be a line for sports somewhere where that line is. I don't know. It's not the USTA cotton swab in everybody's mouth before a tournament, (laughs) an issue that hasn't been resolved up until the present time. This documentary took place Going through the 70s, when she actually was playing in the U.S. Open in 1977. Even today, we don't have the answers to these questions. But we can tell for damn sure that this wasn't some trend of dudes just trying to take over women's tennis or anything like that. Now, if I cut my dick off, right, uh, and grow breasts, uh, I could be a champion. It's so ridiculous. And we went into so much of the life and, and the repercussions of this decision on family, on friends, on John McEnroe, who just interviewed a couple times and just doesn't know what the hell's going on. But it would probably make him angry because that was his default setting. <laughs> Good to have Johnny Mac in there. I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, I got why he was there, but at the same time, I was like, why are you here? 
No, they didn't need him at all. No. But it was it was still kind of fun to see him. How much do you give this? <laughs> I'm going to give this 3.75. Interesting. This That's... was a well-done documentary, but I felt like there were a lot of scenes that it didn't need to have. It kind of went over the same thing multiple times, kind of like we're doing, talking about it here on the podcast. It felt a little bit long. The scenes with the director were definitely not needed. There wasn't that many, though. No, there weren't that many, but still. It was stuff that that definitely wasn't needed, at, but it was much better than it appeared to be at that terrible beginning of the documentary. It found its groove. It had tons of great old highlights, lots of footage, just really interesting stuff on a story I didn't know anything about. As a big sports fan, I'd never heard of Richard Raskin at all. You're not really following up on great play- tennis players in the Navy in the 1950s. <laughs> but they had footage of that. They had footage of everything. Might even be willing to bump it up to a four. Well, I mean, me. it's up to you. <laughs> I really like this a lot, actually. I thought this was really interesting, the way it was paced out and told. As far as tennis goes, I don't give a fuck about tennis. Like, I think it's an interesting sport. I like how it's accessible. You just go get, like, a $30 tennis racket and go to a park. You know, that's kind of interesting. But as far as, like, you could ask a question of why why are they separate genders anyway? It seems like the improvement oh, come of... On. <laughs> It seems like you could genuine like if a woman's got what it takes to hang it like any male sports level, then let her in. Yeah, for sure. But I don't <laughs> give a fuck. And I have the luxury of not giving a fuck because I don't give a fuck. And what it means when I don't give a fuck is I don't have to formulate an idea or opinion regarding other people's lives. And I have that luxury in this spot. So I don't really give a fuck about tennis. It's fine. And uh, Renee should just play. I don't give a fuck. And I like the stuff with the kid because that really humanized it and brought another level to it. I feel sorry for what Nicholas had to go through. But at the same time, that feeling of feeling like you're in the wrong body is very real. And Dick did not get to pick the time and place that he come from to have to transition into that. What he be Renee was inevitable. And it sucks that, you know, people have to suffer for that. But at the same time, Dick had an entire society surrounding him, trying to push him in that direction. Remember, he was set up with the model Barbara. They, Everyone saw what was happening. He had the kid. And he had the kid. He, it was still her choice to move 3,000 miles away from the kid. I mean, I'm not saying... For herself. It was selfish. I'm not saying Renee's not running away from nothing, especially when it comes to her son. I think Renee's paying for that to this day. We see that in this film. She says it herself. But I think... When Renee was Dick, Dick really wanted this, at least to get the the desire out. And that's what he was hoping for. And I think that's maybe what he thought when he'd have a kid, but it just didn't work like that. I give it 3.75 out of 5 hertz songs. So you take uh, your 3.75, I take my 3.75. And that is a total of 7.5 out of 10 total hertz songs. That seems pretty right. It feels good. Right. It feels yeah. good. And look, the moral is the same as the moral that you should have every single day of your life. It's the easiest thing in the world to do. Just be cool to each other. You're Renee now. Cool. I'll treat you like a normal human female. Yeah. It's not that hard. Yeah. I don't, ha- I don't make the determinations of someone else's life. Unless you don't you're know what other people are going through. <laughs> Even Nick, who is portrayed as a fuck-up in every scene he's in in this movie. If you met him, pulling his hat down, you might be like, this fucking guy. But yeah. you'd still be cool to him. He'd probably sell you an energy drink. Treat him all right. You know, yeah. that's that's all there is in any of us in this life. Be cool to each other and 
we'll all be happier for it. And that's that. We end Pride Month on this. <laughs> yeah, straight men fixing things. But I have some serious um, psychological help I need to go. And physical. Yeah. And Please physical. don't forget that. I'm going to get these hair plugs removed. I think the tan is too intense. What we can see is not good. That said, thank you for joining us for this Pride Month. Thank you to Angela for doing main hosting. Thanks for a kill for pre-banking all the shorties with me this month. And thank you to Brian yeah. and Jeremy. I thought I was going to be talking about this episode with Angela. But you're let's not. Let's be honest. But you're but not. But don't worry. We got this. And that's that. Next week, uh, come back when we do our 4th of July week where Stuart and I discuss American meme versus American circumcision to get the story of two Americas. Keep on docking. Test, test, test. Mm. Mm. A, th a throwing knife, I mean, it's probably won't work. Oh, he was recording. Yeah, get some. Yeah, check it out one time for the I'm gonna take two more glasses. Honey named Renee that I met one day On my way back from John Jay I'm peeping shorty as she's walking to the train I tap her on the shoulders Excuse me, miss, but can I get your name? She said my name is Renee I said I got a whole lot to say So may I walk you to your subway? She said if you want So yo, we started talking I brought two francs and two drinks And we began walking I had to see where that head was at Cause the year was mad fast so